Zero Trust for Security. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Artie Borker, Vice President of Product Management at IBM Security. Welcome, Artie. Thanks for having me, Tanya. I'm excited about this. Tell us a little bit about your role at IBM. Uh, as I'm the Vice President of Product Management for everything we do at IBM Security. That goes across our software business and our services business. And um, the day job is setting strategy and direction for our products, solving key market and customer problems, and ensuring uh, innovation is flowing out of our labs at a consistent rate and pace to solve those problems that we're talking to our clients about. Explain the zero trust framework. What makes it a better security model for today's operating environment than say a perimeter security model? Uh, that's a really good question. So for starters, I'm glad you called it the zero trust framework because it's not a product or a solution. It's uh, a framework, I love to say it's a philosophy even, uh, that allows clients to tie their core business requirements to their security strategy. So they're not disconnected. Now, Zero Trust has basic tenants, which is you actually expect a breach. You, if you trust, you verify systematically and consistently, and you're enforcing through the life cycle of that interaction pattern. Now, perimeters were great when everything was within um, a single environment, there was no cloud, days of yore, you could bear hug your environment, which was the perimeter. And when you let people in, you trusted them. And once they were inside, they could, you, loyalty probably was what you based it on, that they, they were careful on the inside. The world we live in today, it's truly an open world, right? We from a business perspective, we have clients, we have partners, we have uh, third parties that we interact with. We're doing more digital business. There's a lot of one-to-one, one-to-many interaction patterns. And so every interaction needs to be secured in context of why it's happening. And you give access to your core assets, your data, your, um, the people within the enterprise that you're protecting only for the duration of when that interaction is happening. So the context and the controls prevent misuse, either intentional or very often even unintentional, providing a better level of security. And the pivot to remote work helped open the network as well, right? We were on this digital transformation journey and then the last 15 odd months happened and that took what was probably, um, you know, maybe 10 years worth of transformation and put it in 15 months, right? And so the spread, uh, I call it the, the fragmentation of core applications, the fragmentation of where data was stored. We distributed and fragmented the core IT infrastructure. And so to your point, it's everywhere. It's on, in some cases, you're doing work from your child's laptop because that's all you have to log in on a given day. And so there is limited amount you can control on those edges, on those machines, on those devices. And you're still trying to do mission critical work as a company. And so you're absolutely right. What 
happened over the last 15 months, the remote workforce, it even goes to the extent of where are you remotely working from and which device are you remotely interacting with? Um, and we can't put agents on everything, for example, to be able to control and ensure that they're safe. Let's go into detail for some of IBM's blueprints. How does Zero Trust secure the remote workforce? So um, thanks for asking about the blueprints. We started with four problems that we wanted to go into, one of them being the remote workforce, uh, securing it. And we've been calling it the remote and hybrid workforce because you're controlling and securing your enterprise and people that are now slowly maybe trickling into the offices and everybody that's not inside as well. And that has multiple elements for us. There's a construct to introduce here called Secure Access Service Edge, um, which is coming up as an in important technology facet in the remote workforce elements. Um, we talk about identity and consumer and employee interaction from an identity perspective. Obviously there's element of mobile devices. So our blueprint strings all of these facets together. Uh, you need to be able to control interaction that comes from outside the enterprise into the enterprise through some sort of a security mechanism. And then that needs to happen at multiple levels. Yes, of course, the network and network traffic, but also the identity of the people that you're allowing in. Do you have a, a multi-factor authentication? Are you doing risk-based authentication as in the risk of this person that's trying to come in is really the person that's trying to come in. Then devices that you have, are they, uh, that you've given to your employees, do they have protection through um, a mobile interfaces, you know, UEM technology? And all of these need to be integrated. You can't in silo say, oh, I'm gonna take care of the network and then I'm gonna take care of identity and then I'm gonna take care of devices. All the information from these need to interact with each other. So you have a 360 degree view of the people, the devices, the APIs, um, the assets trying to interact from outside your enterprise to elements that you're trying to keep secure. And collectively that forms our blueprint. Now it's unique to each individual company. So it needs to come with a set of advice and expertise that we bring to the table of saying, okay, how does this work in your context? Both from the perspective of architecting the right solution queue, but also then being able to manage it if you wanted a true easy button of saying, hey, take care of this for me. Uh, and we'll go all the way, right? Full service as well. But um, the remote workforce is important to everybody, but technologically actually was a good thing because it forced technology to advance at a rate we needed it to advance. By the way, uh, the one thing to mention here for us is our partnership with Zscaler, which was part of our story around the blueprint for Zero Trust because they are a leader in the SASE space and um, we're very excited for partnering with them as we provide a solution. So then can smaller businesses and organizations take advantage of a Zero Trust framework? Absolutely. I think there is no, uh, you know, obviously large companies will have uh, be more excited and, and feel like they have more to lose. I feel like this is a philosophy that should be in every company's irrespective of size. Um, the blueprints actually allow, make it simple enough to say, okay, what hurts the most? What, it, um, which part of this 
influences my security as a company of my size. And what that does is it allows you to pick the pieces that make the most sense for you. Now, small companies actually, interestingly, started doing more digital business through the last 15 months. Um, of course, financials and insurance was in, you know, have been doing some digital business for a while, but you, um, the local grocers and, you know, there was a lot of small businesses that got into the digital world. Even the basic tenants of Zero Trust allow you to tie your business outcomes to the outcomes required uh, for security. And so I think the base framework and the initial technology elements are valuable to, uh, I nearly hesitate to say mom and pop shops, but really small enterprises as well, because technically I feel like the small enterprises sometimes have more to lose. Uh, because brand equity is tied to security very often. People find out, hey, I lost my credit card because I bought something at that shop. It becomes a, a challenge, right? Um, I, I might be, uh, I am very passionate about the zero trust topic and, and the philosophy. So I'll add my disclaimer that I care about it a lot, but I really do believe it will help the breadth of um, the enterprises from small to large. So if an organization wants to shift to a zero trust model, what message does it need to communicate to internal or external stakeholders? What do they need to know? I think the first part of it is um, the internal stakeholders need to know. There's, there's two parts to the stakeholders. The business stakeholders need to know how it ties directly to business outcomes. The business can move and change and innovate at a faster rate and pace if they adopt a framework like Zero Trust that ties the security strategy intrinsically to the business outcomes as well. And so that's the you know the board, the business um, stakeholders, that's one part for them. But the employees need to understand it too, right? Because security goes down to every individual. There is a flexibility and, and ease of use that is provided to the individuals here, the employees, um, the supply chain, the partners, et cetera, because we're automating and ensuring behind the scenes, things like risk models, think like integrated security, reduce the friction for them in their day-to-day -day lives. So the positive impact on the individuals and the business needs to be absolutely the starting point for communication. And then the second part of it is the responsibility. I think the responsibility of fast moving businesses is their people need to feel uh, the need to secure that business as well. And so there'll be small changes in the process and the small changes, positive changes, but it's a change nonetheless. And that responsibility of adopting that change should be part of that communication as well. Artie Borker, Vice President of Product Management at IBM Security. Thanks for joining us, Arnie. If somebody wants to connect with you, how can they do that? Well, I'm, I'm sure there's multiple ways to get there, but the best one probably is to look at LinkedIn and drop me a message. It's just uh, Arthi underscore Borker in the LinkedIn profile. Thanks again, Arnie. And find and subscribe to more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching. Thank you.